This podcast is a quest for well-being, a quest for a meaningful life through the exploration of fundamental truths, enlightening ideas, insights on physical, mental, and spiritual health. The inspiration is love. The aspiration is to awaken new ways of thinking that can lead us to a new way of being. Being well. Welcome to Body, Mind, and Soul Healing Conversations. Learning how to reprogram your subconscious mind is one of the most amazing, life-changing experiences we will have. Your subconscious mind has the power to show you who you are in the deepest levels of your being. Yet, most of us will spend our entire lives entrapped by our subconscious programs. In this episode, Steph Oshamba will explore and guide us to move into conscious awareness, retrain our neural pathways, and build the life we dream of. Valeria interviews Stefo Shambo, a sex, love, and relationship expert with a holistic tantric approach and the founder of the Tantric Man Experience. Stefo helps married men reignite their passion in a lackluster relationship and helps single men attract their dream partner in nine weeks. He's on a mission to guide men towards an intimate, connected, and meaningful love life and end the war with their sexuality so they can finally become integrated men, fathers, brothers, husbands, and leaders in the world. Meet Steffo at tantricacademy.com. Here's the interview with Steffo Shambo. In your own words, who is Steffo Shambo? Hello there. Um, yes. So in my own words, I would say that I am a men's relationship coach and I help uh, married men who are struggling in a lackluster marriage to bring back the passion, to bring back the spark, connection, trust and communication again so, uh, so they can single-handedly save their marriage. Uh, and I also help uh, single men who are struggling in their love lives. So they might be lonely, they might not have the confidence to approach, and they might not be able to uh, find the love that they desire. Maybe they're settling for less or have limiting beliefs around love and relationships. So I help these guys to attract love in nine weeks of my mentorship program called The Tantric Man Experience. It sounds wonderful. As I said, off record, this intention to help others to live this, I call it more clear, peaceful life. And we can say meaningful too, but I love the word peaceful for some reason. So I guess my second question to you is, how did you become a sex, love and relationship expert, Stefan? Yeah, it's uh, it's a funny, you know, my life story, one thing leads to another kind of uh, story, right? So on my uh, website, uh, tantricacademy.com, I write, 
you know, a, a long page, about page, right, about my hero's journey and how I got here. But to make it really quick and short, uh, it basically started with me having a lot of uh, questioning to life and wondering about the meaning of life and experiencing a lot of uh, hurt and trauma growing up uh, from childhood. So I set out on a pilgrimage, right, to uh, uh, explore and find truth. And so I travel around the world for years uh, just with a, a single ticket in my hand and uh, gave up my life back home. And uh, finally, after uh, uh, a bit more than two years of traveling to over 30 countries, I found uh, yoga and tantra in the foothills of Himalaya in India. And uh, it kind of clicked with me. And uh, there, was, there was something there that just felt right immediately and I had never felt that before so there was a calling you could say in the hero's journey and uh, that's what I started to dedicate my life to so I spend hours every day just doing the practices and uh, after a few years of just immersing myself in these practices and uh, really mastering these arts uh, within myself I started to become a yoga teacher and that led to me becoming a Tantra teacher and that led me to become a coach and that led me to then uh, start this program that I do with men online now. So it's like one thing led to another kind of. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense to me, of course. Why just men, Stefan? Do you also work with women or you prefer to work with men? Um. I prefer, uh, I don't have a preference, but this is what happened. Uh, one reason is because there's a lot of uh, offerings for women. Women's empowerment movement is way ahead of men's empowerment movement. So they have a lot of uh, offerings and there's a lot of teachers and there's already uh, a lot to choose from. But for men, they're lagging behind a little bit and uh, they're not as interested in uh, these kind of things if you compare it to women. Uh, so uh, since, you know, I had certain struggles that were very much uh, connected to the male experience, I felt that uh, this would be a better contribution for the world. And, uh, and, and I'm speaking more from my personal experience and expertise as well. Uh, even though I have worked with women in the past, before I started this program. Uh, so I also see definitely the benefit of, uh, of working with women, but, uh, but now I wholeheartedly uh, work with uh, men. But of course, indirectly, their women and their girlfriends and their wives are impacted by the work as well. So you could say I indirectly work with them to create a better relationship, family unit, uh, parenting, household, whatever you want to call it, through the man in in the in the world, right? Mm, yes, that makes much sense. That's lovely the way you just describe all that, because yeah, we are impacting, affecting each other all the time, and everything is connected. So there's no separation anyway, although it feels like and it seems like. Another open question is about tantra. What is tantra? Hmm. 
Good, uh, big question. <laughs> uh, Tantra is basically a technology to expand your consciousness. That's the original meaning. Some would call it uh, to weave, uh, but uh, it's basically a technology to expand your consciousness using your life force energy, using your chakras uh, and your energy system, your energy body, basically the prana in the, the nadis and the meridians and the channels of your body. So it's a very much an energy-based type of yoga. In the West, though, uh, it is very much associated to sex and only sex. It uh, does not uh, put down sex or, uh, you know, this includes sex. Uh, it's also included in it, but it's just one part of that, right? So uh, in the Western world, uh, many people think about Tantra as sex, and that is more the neo-tantric approach, right? When we want to enhance our sexual experience and pleasure. Uh, but the more traditional classical Tantra is all about enlightenment and reaching realization and doing that through energy-based form of practices. Another open question is about love. What is your understanding and idea of love? Uh, my understanding is that it's not just something uh, we say or believe in, but it is more of an action, right? So and I, I feel like, you know, uh, we can say, oh, I love you, I love you, I love you, but do you really mean it and do you really show it with your actions, right? So I feel when we are helping someone in need or we are doing charity or vo uh, volunteering or karma yoga, right? Or things like that. That is, that is a form of love in action, right? So uh, that would be my definition of love. It's not about that sweet romantic feeling that is bubbling because that is more uh, infatuation, right? That is more desire, lust, or there's chemical called oxytocin, right? So I think many people mix up oxytocin and passion with love. So love can be, you know, like you, you share love to your children or your parents and family. That love is very different from what you share maybe with your sexual partner, right? So there's different types of love that we have, but they're all you know, under the scope of like uh, action. And that's another beautiful answer. Yes, I do believe that too. I usually talk a lot about unconditional love. Uh, it might be this uh, broader kind of view of life itself, that everything here is, is unconditional love. Being here now, talking to you and doing everything we do, it's uh, regardless, good or bad. It's that freedom but that's, I guess that's a different topic <laughs> altogether. Mm -hmm. Another question for you, the opening questions. Let's see. I'll ask you this one. What do you feel is the purpose of the human experience? Mm, the purpose of the human experience. Let me digest this for a moment. Uh, so I, I feel that... There is a meaning for us to be here in this world. It's not by chance. And when you see the 
statistics of uh, what's the odds of being born as a human being here. You know, when you count, you know, the sperm cells and all the souls that are not incarnated, if you believe in karma or all that. So it's that the odds are very, very slim to make it here. It's like winning the lottery to be a human right now. And I feel that we all have a, a certain specific purpose which is individual for each one of us and it's to overcome our, our limitations of the ego and actually see if we can become bigger than ourselves here and trying to contribute to the world uh, to make it more a loving and peaceful place so i believe that it's connected to our purpose in in that way of uh, uh, overcoming uh, certain parts of our ego or karmic imprints, right? And uh, and that is always involving uh, what are things you can do to impact others, not just yourself or your family, but we think bigger, right? Because then you get out of your ego. So I believe that we all have a certain type of destiny. And at the same time, inside of this destiny, we also have control over our life and we can manifest what we really want to but if we don't do that i feel uh, that we are suffering we're not really happy if we go to work every day and and we don't really want to do that type of job or we're living a life and we feel trapped in some way we're not really fulfilling our potential that we're here and meant to do and i feel that is a cause of suffering so uh, for me, it's paramount to follow the heart's journey and calling, that pull that we all get when the, the clutter of the mind is not so activated, right? And follow that. And uh, just to tie it back to my story in the beginning, that's what I've been following uh, my whole life. And that's why I got to do what I'm doing today and to, you know, be a digital nomad, be, you know, lo location independent and, you know, and then setting my own schedule and doing exactly what I love to do and, and living on purpose because I always listen to my heart and I follow that even though sometimes it didn't seem uh, to make sense or I didn't know what's going to happen in the future. It maybe was a lot of uncertainties, but I still did it anyways because I felt uh, I have to take a chance in life because life is short. And I think if we don't fulfill uh, our, our purpose here on this short lifespan, uh, we're not going to have, you know, uh, the most awesome, epic time here, you know. When you say listening to the heart, would that be the same as listening to our intuition, Steph, or something different? Yeah, we could say that is uh, something similar, yeah. Uh, different wordings, you know, uh, heart. We could also say love. What What is love wanting to do right now? And uh, so it's kind of like that pull you get when you, you still your mind, right? And uh, I don't know if you ever did like a, a long, you know, silent meditation retreat or something similar to like a retreat when you go into solitude or maybe you go out camping uh, and, and, and this art, all of a sudden you start to, you start to feel this pull and it's almost like it's coming from the chest. I feel it many times. It's not from the head, right? And, and, and this is kind of pulling you towards the next action in life. It's kind of like, oh, I, you know, what I'm most drawn to do in next, and that can be 
the next hour, the next day, and the next week, the next month. But whatever that is, I feel that is the heart's calling for that moment. And it doesn't have to be this big, like, what is my grand purpose in life? And I have to find one and never change it. No, it's like, what is just the next step here? And that I feel it's, yeah, it can be the intuition, some call it love or or the heart. Yeah. Mm, yeah. Wow, when you say that, it really makes me think about about next uh, step. What I think is trust. I trust every next step, whatever is happening now, like from this second to the next, it's okay to happen. Mm. So there's a lot of trust. Do you feel the same way when you're following the heart? Do you feel this sense of trust in what is happening and divine force, whatever we believe in? Mm-hmm. I do, I do. But at the same time, I have to admit that sometimes I fail to trust yeah. the universe <laughs> right, or right. the next step and the path. And yeah. I start to worry and I get mm. in my head and I start to question it and analyze if it's really the right step or can I really do this? It's just outrageous to just drop everything and go to the other side of the world, like that doesn't make any sense. So, so yes, many times I trust, but also many times I, uh, I doubt that. So it's a constant practice, right? And I have to remind myself again and again to surrender my, my, my trying to control life and, uh, and surrender into the trust and, and see like, yeah, I'm being guided here. I'm being taken care of. And, uh, the more I can lean into that, the easier things will get and the, the easier and, and the less I will suffer. What can I say? Yeah, I have been learning that I have learned, I have been learning yeah, the hard way in a way by not trusting. But that is like, as you said, it's part of the, it seems like it's part of the experience to, to kind of dance between love and fear, which we hope to get to uh, that space of trust when it becomes profound, deeper, and established where we can just dance around love and create more love around us. You mentioned the ego. So for those who don't know what that is, how would you describe what the ego is? Yeah, I would just say the mind, you know, those, that the constant stream of thoughts that are in the background all the time, uh, that includes the inner critic, right? And, you know, you walk past a mirror and then your inner critic is telling you like, oh, you look like this and like that. You need to exercise or I'm not happy with this. It's too, it's too big or it's too small or, you know, whatever. It's like that constant shatter inside of the mind that it's like never stopping and sometimes we are aware of it but most of the times we are not aware of it and that is affecting how we are feeling the mood we have and our emotions and affecting our actions and and so many things right because we're not aware of this stream of thoughts and many times we even you know, second guess ourselves, you know, or we say something and then we start to think about what we said to that person. If it was the right thing, the wrong thing, if we should change. It's like we're constantly having a dialogue with ourselves. It's almost like if we could put that on speakers, <laughs> wow. uh, it would be like everyone is going around being schizophrenic or crazy <laughs> because sure. we all the time have another person inside our head talking to us. So who is this person talking to us all the time? <laughs> so that uh, is what we can call the ego, right? 
I have been doing for years now a lot of studies on um, Buddhism and practices, of course, and now Advaita Vedanta. So it's really like um, the deeper I go into it, the more it becomes a paradox in a sense of the mind is also the divine. It's part of it. It is everything is a divine. There's nothing that separate anyway. So it's really the deeper you go and you know there's no separation. And then sometimes we feel separated. Like, you know, I'm just dwelling now in the world of the mind, but where is the divine self? Where is the calm and peaceful realm within me? And that's interesting to see because it's just it's everything. We cannot separate, but it seems like we can somehow become aware of all these actions, all these happenings, and learn to just watch them and not do anything, not engage with them. And trying to control the mind, I have tried for many years, thoughts mm -hmm. and all that. It does. I mean, it does work for those who commit to become a yogi, I would say, if you want to just isolate yourself and just commit to that. And then every pretty much hour of the day, you are in that pursuit of controlling and training the mind. But that's a long, long, long journey. And some of us will not get there in one lifetime. So for me, it has been the path of being in touch with what is before the mind, not even beyond mm -hmm. the mind, but before. And that has been very helpful. Then the path is the path of knowledge, which is insights, just listening and kind of engaging with um, not just listening, but also transmission being around people who are carrying those energies. So it has been very interesting. So again, you are a sex, love, and relationship expert with a holistic tantric approach, also the founder of the Tantric Man Experience. The question that comes to me is, how do you work with your clients online only? Do you meet them in person? Do you also host groups and um, visit corporations and work with them? Mm. Yeah, I mean, we have uh, an online community, a movement, you can call it. So from men from all around the world, I want to make it super easy, accessible to the common man, the householder man, right? not only those who are ready to do what I did and go to the Himalayas for years and just study for hours every day, uh, because most of my clients and students, they are, you know, fathers, business owners, um, you know, and they, they cannot just run away from their lives, right? So I want to make it accessible for anyone. So the only thing I'm asking for is nine weeks and dedicating a couple of hours every day for nine weeks. So anyone can do it, it doesn't matter. But of course you have to make it a priority if it's going to work. And so you get into a container of men from all around the world, uh, a men's group container, and uh, we are working on a very holistic approach, meaning that uh, most people that have uh, all the knowledge in the world and maybe done some of these things for years or where doctors cannot even help, you know, the tantric man experience fill that gap, right? Because we're really much embodying the wisdom and healing every trauma or limiting belief. So it's, you know, 
the mental level, spiritual level, emotional level, but also the more important part, the energetical level, that's the tantric approach, right? So we're using sexual energy to manifest our dreams, whatever that might be, the love life of our dreams, the financial goals that we have, or becoming the leader in our community, you know, balancing our masculine feminine energy, or whatever that might be, when you have your fundamental life force energy backing you up in whatever you do, your life is just going to catapult so much quicker in this world, right? So that is what the tantrics brought to the table of uh, spiritual uh, development in this world. Until the tantrics, uh, there was not much people who actually uh, uh, emphasized or uh, appreciated the work in the world like you said you know the the buddhist and uh, the the vedantics and uh, uh, most religion they uh, prioritize the transcendent right which is one part of you know the absolute you can say but then we are deprioritizing our bodies and the world our relationships, our sex life, because that's all in the world. And according to them, it's illusion, right? It's Maya, but to the Tantric is not. It is it is a temple. It is as divine as the, the transcendent. It's actually Shakti in itself. It's the universal principle. So it's just another uh, side of the coin. Uh, so that is the beauty of, uh, of the tantric teachings that you can actually master your life force energy and manifest the life that you so much desire. Thank you so much, Steph, for doing what you do. As I said earlier, for being open to life. That's what it, it kind of comes to me as a message. Let's talk about how to reprogram your subconscious mind, 10 best ways. This is a blog post that you have written that caught my attention right away. The first question that I have to always start from the basics, what is the subconscious mind and how is it different from our conscious mind? Right. So the subconscious uh, contains 90% of things that you cannot see about yourself, right? Those things that are in the shadow, like shadow work, those things that are concealed by your conscious mind. So here you have your beliefs about the world that you got from your parents, school, religion, culture, and country you were brought up in. You have emotions. If you have certain patterns and emotions coming again and again, maybe it's depression or procrastination, that is coming from the subconscious mind, a programming there. And also your habits, like things you do daily and you have maybe negative habits. You can't break them. You wonder why it's coming from the subconscious mind, your values in life. If you value certain, uh, whatever that might be, you want to have uh, family is very much of your value or someone does not value family, you know, like that is also from the subconscious mind, what you learned growing up, you know, and uh, the reactions uh, and all that, that is coming from the subconscious mind. While the conscious mind is only about 5%, so we are only about, you know, a small portion of our mind that we are aware of, and that is our willpower, uh, the logical thinking, and when you tr- you need to organize and do critical thinking and all that, that is the conscious mind. 
That's amazing how most of it, it's coming from the subconscious mind. And that's why it's so important. Yeah, we live unconscious lives, basically, more or less. Yeah, right. Until we become conscious. So what drives some of us to become conscious of the subconscious? Suffering is the number one thing. Suffering, fear, and pain. When a human being has suffered enough, they drastically change their life. I see this again and again with my clients and uh, people around me that are doing similar things that I did. I suffered my share of things and that led me to do what I do. And I see that again and again when, you know, the when men breaking down because they're so lonely and uh, for for years and they don't believe they're worthy of anything and their life is just not a happy place, right? They they just need to change. They need to do something. And then they get um, uh, aware of these things. And the same thing with, you know, I don't know if you know Eckhart Tolle, one uh, spiritual teacher, he was suffering a lot, right? So his suffering kind of led him to uh, this grace of being uh, spontaneous enlightened. Like not many people get this spontaneous enlightenment. Most people have to work through it, right? Like the tantric masters, they do their energy practice every day. And then maybe after years to get enlightened. But Eckhart Tolle was one of those few who got like uh, instant enlightenment, if you want to call it that. And uh, it's through his suffering. He was suffering so much that he was suicidal and he was depressed for years, right? And through that suffering, he found an awakening and uh, he was, uh, you know, seeing that, uh, you know, ego that we talked about before and just say, like, who is this ego, you know, and started to question it. And that's kind of how he uh, woke up from this uh, illusion, this depression, right? So, so, yeah, I would say suffering and when we had enough of just dealing with this negative repeating patterns that happens again and again, maybe you've been in a relationship, you end it, you break up, you're heartbroken, and then you got into a new relationship and the same things happen again, but maybe just in a slightly different way. But you brought your patterns with you to the next relationship, right? So when people start to see that, you know, the common denominator of my issues is myself, yeah. they want to change, right? So it's usually coming from uh, they had enough, they can't take it anymore. I need to do something about this to change. In that blog post, you write, the subconscious mind resists the unknown. Is that because it's programmed, Steffel? So it's not open to the unknown. It's always comfortable with the what it knows, right? Yeah, I can't remember exactly because I post a lot of articles. I can't remember like when it's taking out of context exactly what I was thinking there. But uh, what I can gather from it is that because the subconscious mind is patterns that have been uh, uh, pro, uh, sorry, um, installed when usually when we are, you know, one to eight years old. So these are old programmings, right? So it's almost like a a hard drive, an old hard drive from the 90s, right? And there are certain like programs running on this hard drive that is the subconscious mind. So it's not really malleable. It's not really open to new inputs or, you know, uh, like uh, spontaneous unknown things, right? It's just running on autopilot again and again and again, right? So when we enter into subconscious mind, we could say that you're a robot, 
you're not really living your life. You're living your parents' life. You're living your cult culture lives, your, your life from your culture upbringing. You're living the life from the teachers you had in, in elementary school. That is what you're living. Like I said before, your beliefs, habits, values, and emotions that were programming you. So um, that is why we are on autopilot most of the time. And thus, the unknown cannot just happen from that place of programmings. How do we learn in general for people who are listening and also have people that they recognize as living from the subconscious mind? How do we kind of nudge them? I guess that's the mm. question. It's a very good question. I think uh, the, the short answer is that we cannot really, we cannot force someone else to speed up their karma or destiny. They all have their own path. The only thing I think we can do is to inspire others by setting an example, by leading our own lives in such a brilliant and positive way that we shine a light on those around us so they get inspired to do their own inner work. But I have also, you know, failed miserably in trying to change, uh, you know, my, my loved ones and wanting them to also, you know, understand what I have uh, understood and maybe, you know, uh, have some realizations that I had and, it never worked, you know, it never worked. And I don't think it's right either to force someone, uh, you know, to to do anything if they're not ready for it. Their soul might not uh, be on that journey. And, uh, and so I think if someone comes to ask me, I would definitely tell them everything. You know, like if they have questions, they're curious and they want to know, I'm definitely not going to not talk about everything that I know, but if they don't ask and if they don't have that curiosity and if they're not seeking out that from me, I'm never going to say anything because I feel then they're not ready, right? So that's how I came to do this. I am just trying to work on myself as much as possible so I can live as an example for those people that I love so they can look look at me and say like, okay, I want what he has and be inspired from that instead. Wow, what an inspiring answer <laughs> that was. Yeah, that resonates true all the way, really. Yeah, it's by becoming the light that we can share the light. That's so true. So let's talk about the best ways to reprogram your subconscious mind. You gave 10 suggestions on your website. So I'd love to go through, perhaps not all of them, but uh, we could, it would be amazing, generous of you if we right. could go through all of them. So I have them in front of me here, Steph. Would you like me to um, read them one by one? Or yeah, do you you go them? one by one so I can just uh, remember. Yeah. So the number one is remove blind spots in limiting beliefs. Blind spots and limiting beliefs are the things that we kind of touched upon a little bit before, right? There are the things that maybe are hindering or blocking us from taking the first step to start our business. Maybe we're thinking about starting a business for years, but we never get to that uh, step. We never just get to action on doing that. So there's like maybe a limiting belief behind that. Like I'm not worthy. No one will listen to me. I will never make it. Or 
maybe you got a, a money block from your parents saying, you know, money does not grow on trees. It's very hard to get money, right? So you have limiting beliefs. Their blind spot can be things like you always get triggered by your partner is not taking out the trash from the kitchen, right? And it's like you, you don't understand why you always get so triggered. And that so this is a blind spot, right? So you don't see it yourself. You're blind to it, right? So uh, here we need to remove this and we need to shed light on the blind spot and the limiting beliefs in our shadow because otherwise we cannot really do anything about it if we don't have awareness of it first, right? So you cannot fix something you don't know is broken, right? So the awareness is number one always. And that is very, very much uh, uh, a group work thing, right? So when you have especially for men, when they have other men around them and women have other women around them, uh, they can reflect back to them what they cannot see themselves. They get honest reflections, right? It's so, so important in life because not many people want to step on each other's toes or shoes and we want don't want to put other people down we avoid confrontation so we never hear that in workspace in and uh, with our friends or anything but when we have a, a group uh, of people who are conscious and aware and they're practicing you know honest reflections together then we can finally start to see things about ourselves how other people perceive us authentically and honestly not just sugarcoating things just because we want to be nice and pleasant right so and uh, this is group work is the number one otherwise a coach uh, therapists have, I feel, too many limitations and need to follow certain protocols to be able to do this well. And uh, and one-to-one -one has also limitations. So I always recommend group settings, right? And uh, so this is super, super powerful to have this reflection and have a group to support you in seeing your blind spots and limitations. Number two uh, way to reprogram your subconscious mind, according to your writings and your own experiences in work is break the habits of the old self. And you have been talking about this too, but if there are some more other insights, I would love to hear, Stefan. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so this is all about, you know, becoming aware again about your triggers and how you're uh, responding to life events, you know. So uh, are you always responding in a way of... Uh, not taking action, or maybe you're responding by uh, being introverted each and single time, or maybe you're too extroverted all the time, so you drain your energy, or you're always, you know, when you go ent entering into a new classroom, you always sit at the back, the furthest back in the class, or are you one of those who always sit in the front, right? So all of these things are patterns, right, that we always constantly do without thinking about it. So uh, that is, you know, being stuck in in habits, right? So I was always trying to say, do the opposite of what you tend to do. If you always sit in the back, well, mix it up, sit in the front this time, even if it's going to be uncomfortable, you feel like it's not you or you're, you're not, you're not, uh, you know, it's not your place, you say, or maybe you always want to stay in being a homebody, maybe try to go out and socialize a little bit, or if you're always out to socialize and you always have activities, maybe you just go and meditate for a little bit, like try to always do the opposite of what you're trying to do. You know, if you really love 
masculine practices, you always go to the void and to the transcendent, maybe trying to start to do some feminine practice of embodiment, get into the body instead of your head, right? So uh, this is to, to break the old habits of ourselves. That's interesting that you say that masculine and feminine kind of bring those two energies into harmony and balance, right? Be in contact with them both. Number three, remap the mind. That's another interesting one. Mm, yeah. So this, what I really mean here is like use your imagination and visualization to kind of uh, already believe that what you want to experience or your goals and desires are already happening. So you start to kind of pull them, so to speak, from the future into your present the experience of your mind. So your mind, like I said, is a powerful tool. And when we use it for our own uh, interest, uh, we can create anything. So uh, it's really, really important that any goal, desire, outcome that you want, that you create it in your mindscape first, right? And that's what I mean to remap the mind that creates their goals, desires in your mind first, and then they will uh, manifest. I love the um, yeah visualizations. That's a type of meditation, of course. It's amazing how you even mentioned that in the piece that you wrote about the brain doesn't know the difference. So the subconscious doesn't know the difference between experiences that are happening here in, in real life, per se, and then also in the realm of thoughts, of imagination. Right. It doesn't yeah. know the difference. They actually measured people who are, you know, doing sprints and uh, they're, they're uh, you know, they're doing track and field and they, they hooked them up on these monitors, right? And they were sitting still in this, uh, in the in the laboratory and uh, they closed their eyes and they they ran the sprints in their mind. And what they noticed is that the same neurons were firing as they were running. So the scans couldn't really tell a difference. So what does that mean? That means that we can actually achieve a lot of great results in the physical world just by imagining it and visualizing it. But the key is to really, really feel it and believe in it, not to second guess the reality of it. So in a way, it's establishing that trust, isn't it? Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it goes trust. back to trust, I guess. I always go back to that component for some reason. So number four, strip back your personality. Uh, this is a, a fascinating one too and very challenging idea to materialize. But talk to me I about agree. that a bit more. <laughs> I agree. It's my, it's my favorite. It's my personal favorite. So this is super, super powerful, right? So... Uh, we talked about the ego before, and we can say the personality is kind of the ego, right? So uh, when we're in our ego, like we are most of the day, almost probably 99.9% .9 of the day, we are just being a father, a mother, a colleague, a worker, uh, you know, a driver, whatever it is, a householder, a wife, a husband. We're always something. We're always in our personality, right? But in there, we are, we are limited. We are not... Uh, able to really do what we do. We just run on autopilot, right? So uh, in a place where we can create anything comes from that, you know, mindscape where thoughts are not disturbing us 
all the time and intervening with our you know process so it's so so important that when you learn to you know master your mind or your life or your life force energies that we do in tantra that you connect to this space of awareness inside of yourself every day and this is the space uh, you could say it's the canvas where emotions thoughts and the the five senses are appearing right it's that space that is uh, witnessing all of this right so when you can get to this expansive feeling of uh, awe just being in awe of life right and uh, you feel like you have found this kind of void and emptiness inside of you uh, when you are manifesting from that place everything that you do will be so much more powerful because why you're now in a place of the infinite right so there's infinite possibilities they're limitless instead of the ego which is uh, have a limit on it right so now you're in the limitless consciousness and uh, uh, quantum field is now a very buzzword it's so popular right but basically it's the quantum field like a quantum leap you can do when you manifest from this place and in uh, in tantra yoga we talk about dharana dhyana and samadhi right so these are the the three steps towards uh doing that so first we need to be able to have our focus meaning we need to be able to concentrate our mind if we only think about the things we need to do and our obligations and our work task and to-do list we're not going to be able to concentrate on our meditation, right? So the first step is to always be able to develop our concentration of the mind. And after that, we want to go into dhyana, which is meditation or contemplation, right? We want to be able to uh, practicing uh, being outside of our personality for, for a little bit, you know? It can just be 10 minutes per day. That's enough, but a little bit every day. And the third stage is samadhi, right? So this is when uh, you unite dharana with dhyana and then the, the grace of God or Shiva will bestow you samadhi and then you reach this place of, uh, you know, uh, embodying enlightenment. And, uh, you know, this is not something that uh, you can force to happen. Mm, okay. It's just happened, but those are the stages. Wow. Yeah, that really caught my attention. This specifically step that makes so much sense. So the personality is pretty much running the show. And then if we can give, almost take a break from it, we'll see what is before, comes before that. I know I, I want to attempt to use the word beyond, but it's really before, before the personality. Because I do see us humans as spirit beings, not just humans, but we have been, uh, in a way, we have forgotten that. So getting to that stage of, uh, of samadhi, that would really help, even if it is, as you said, for 10 minutes or I think even less than that, right, Steph? Well, if we can get a glimpse of that. Yeah, a, a 10 minutes practice on the mat is fine, you know, and, but then glimpses throughout the day is very much helpful, right? Because uh, if we just... Let's say we, we, we meditate every morning for 10, 20 or, or 30 minutes, but then the rest of the day we're not meditating at all, right? So what happens is that we are almost living double lives. One is that 10 minutes of uh, spiritual life on the, on the, in the morning and then rest of the day we're unconscious in our ego, in the personality, right? So the best practice 
the best yoga is to uh, bring in glimpses throughout the day of the practice that you did in the morning. Mm, yeah, so it is the integration, isn't it? A lot of times when I do some bathing, just for five minutes, whatever it is, I kind of meditate on the sun of consciousness, of unity, just kind of shining through the body and then kind of manifesting through everything I do and say. So that's my form of meditation these days. And we cannot try. It, it doesn't work really trying. It's incredible how it just happens. Um, and I wonder why, too, some of us will realize this in this lifetime, what this, which we call life, is all about, and, and some don't. But then you mentioned earlier about karma. That might be the, what gets in the way, right, Steph? Some say that, uh, some spiritual masters say that uh, every soul has a different uh, past, you know. So maybe in the past life you're doing a lot of spiritual practice and you are very close to reach enlightenment. So, uh, it, But if you didn't and you're reincarnated again in a different body this lifetime, you're still going to carry some of that spiritual maturity from that uh, previous lifetimes that you did practice, right? So you're going to have a quicker, easier time uh, to get there in this lifetime. So uh, some spiritual masters, if you want to believe in uh, karma reincarnation, that's a lot of traditions do, uh, that can be an explanation. Yeah, which sounds very rational to me from that perspective. It really does. We're almost at the end of the interview today, and I would love to go through all of them, but not enough time. I'll just mention the next suggestions, and then I'll focus on one, because I would love to hear a little bit more about this, another one that caught my attention. So number five is expose and transpose emotions. So to read more about it, then I'll, I'll have your website listed here down mm -hmm. below, so the audience can just click on and read some more. Number six, dish the victim mentality. And number seven, bring and heart connection. And then number eight, recondition your body. Number nine, unravel your past, redesign your future. And then number 10, make it last. I also seen elevate emotional states. Talk to me for a moment about brain and heart connection. Mm. Yeah, heart coherence, right? So there's a lot of research now showing that when you start to align your thinking mind with your heart, so there is like a connection there, you are, you know, aligning your centers as well. You know, in Tantra, we talk about, you know, having our heart center, Anahata, open and having our mind center open, right? So the, the, the problem with, uh, you know, this applies to both men and women, but especially men, and since they have more testosterone and they, they're left brain, right, they tend to be more analytic and uh, problem solving oriented, right? So what can happen is that guys and some girls, you know, like get stuck in their head, right? And start to trying to, uh, trying to analyze the problem and find a step-by-step -step solution, but sometimes that will not help, right? Sometimes the embodiment of the wisdom is what is needed, right? So we need to drop out of our heads and into our body to access the wisdom of 
the body, right? So sometimes maybe trauma or certain patterns are actually literally stored in the nervous system, in the tissue or body. We talk about being able to de-arm or some emotions that maybe have been stuck in our bodies for, for years and years, right? And when we start to kind of massage certain trigger points, we start crying or laughing uncontrollably. Why? It's like emotions are stored there. So, you know, embodiment uh, is a very, very powerful practice to bring in, you know, the brain and the heart to one. And then maybe even the next step would be that I do with my clients also to bring in the sex, right? So we have the sexual center. So these three are the main three centers, the sex, the heart and the head, right? So when all these three are combined into one, I call it the, the Holy Trinity, right? Because then imagine when all your energies are aligned and you focus on something with aligned vision, like with aligned energy, all your power is going towards the same direction. Instead of your sex is going to the left, your emotions are going to the right, and your head is going upright. It's just, you know, you're you're contradicting yourself. It's like one part of you wants to go out and one part of you wants to stay home. Like you're not coherent in that way, right? So your 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 decision making, your power in your actions will not have the same effect as when all your energies are aligned towards a single common goal, right? So that right. is my take on the brain-heart coherence. Yeah, that very much resonates with me, that alignment again. All parts coming together in harmony. And I have a few more questions for you, the ending questions. Would you like to add anything, Steph, that we left unsaid for today's conversation? Just realize that this is possible for anyone. You know, we had guys who uh, didn't believe in love anymore. They had been single for uh, a decade, 10 years we're talking about. And uh, they had limiting beliefs about themselves that, you know, they were not worthy of love or, or it's fate that they will be single for the rest of their life or they're meant to be lonely. This is just the, the hand that they were dealt with by God or whatever they want to call it. But that is not the case. You know, it is possible for anyone to change, to have the love life, the relationship, the marriage of your dreams. You just have to put in the work and know your your wife or husband does not have to partake. You don't have to go to couples therapy or marriage counseling. It is not necessary. You know, one person can change the whole trajectory of one relationship. It only requires one to make the shift happen, right? And uh, this I see every day in my work. And I just uh, uh, appreciate people like you who are doing this podcast, people who are open to do their inner work because I believe that this can change the world. Uh, my mission and purpose is to help the world become a better place, just one man at a time, making my small part into this. And that fills my soul and my heart. And every day I wake up and I feel blessed uh, to be alive, to be here and to uh, trying to do my karma or my uh, mission here. It's beautiful. Thank you so much, Steph. It's truly, truly beautiful to see that. And I get to see that every day. I have deep appreciation for what you do and all these people that I'm in touch with. It's just, it's the heart's mission. That's what I see. It's just um, doing its work and it's beautiful. So my last question to you, 
what three experiences you wish everyone to have before they lose the body, before they die? Mm, I would. I want everyone to experience unconditional love, uh, to have an energy orgasm because that is, uh, I think everyone's birthright, you know, like we say, we make sex such a taboo subject and, uh, and it's, there's not really any sex, sexual education on an advanced level in, in the world right now. And I think so many people are missing out just on, on having, uh, enjoying life and having pleasures of life. You know, I think we're, we're meant to, uh, use our sexual energy more than just, uh, creating offsprings, right? So uh, experiencing an energy orgasm, definitely something I want everyone to experience. That is a very good reminder. We do a lot of times negate the body in the sake of um, spiritual pursuits, but everything is a path. Everything is spiritual. And thank you for reminding me and everybody else <laughs> on this topic. Thank you so much again. And before we say goodbye, where can we find more information about you, your work, services, and future projects? Yeah, so the best place to find me is on my website where I post all the articles like the one you have uh, read from today. We have tons of very valuable articles. A lot of work goes into that. Uh, it's my form of uh, a book, you know, but it's been published in uh, hundreds and hundreds of articles. So that is tantricacademy.com. You will also find free trainings there, both for married and single guys. So if you're struggling in your marriage or your love life, right now go in there and check it out it can really change the trajectory of uh, the rest of your life and uh, the future generations to come uh, really powerful stuff over there at my website and all the links to, to videos and uh, free resources uh, are also there so there's a lot of good stuff happening over at tantricacademy.com mm, yes and I'll have the link on your podcast profile as well thank you so much again Stefan and you will talk soon. We'll be in touch. Thank you so much. Have a great day. You too. Thank you for listening. To learn more about Stefan Shambo and his work, please visit tantricacademy.com. To learn more about this podcast, please visit fitforjoy.org slash podcast. Thank you again for listening and bye for now. <laughs>